I'd call practical avoidance. If you don't need to be exposed to something, like at night, for example, it's a great time to turn off your technology, turn off your Wi-Fi, put your phone on airplane mode. You don't need it. You're sleeping. It's a third of your life. You're going to reduce exposure. So turn these devices off when you're not using. That's probably the number one easiest thing you can do right off the bat. Hey there. Welcome to Thriving with Technology, the science-led podcast that's here to help you achieve mindful living in a digital world. And I'm your host, I'm Marcus Bryce from techwellness.com. This show is designed to give you a practical approach on how to navigate the important tech toxins in our world. We have real-life stories, experiences, and non-fear-based facts about cybersecurity and EMFs, your online privacy, internet overuse, what leads to addiction, blue light, and so much more. So thank you. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the show. Welcome to another week of Thriving with Technology. I am August Bryce, and I'm here with my partner in business and in life, Hal Bryce, who just listened to this podcast. I love this podcast. You know, uh, Ryan at the beginning said something that I thought was really, really good. He said, you and I, August, share zest for the truth. Wow. And boy, oh boy, isn't that true, right? That's so true. Yeah. I mean, we talk a lot about in here, you're going to hear a lot about EMFs, but you're also going to hear quite a bit about the other issues that he finds in people's homes from mold and water purification to auditory waves to just about anything you can imagine. But what I loved about this as it pertains to EMFs, but also as it pertains to everything else he talked about. What did you love? I love the fact this is stuff that you've been talking about probably since I've known you. And to hear it validated by someone uh, like Ryan, I thought was just really cool. So I think people are going to love that part. I love what Ryan does. He tests your home. That's who he is. Ryan Glazer from Test My Home. And he's a building biologist, an engineer, and so many other uh, certifications. He's going to tell you about them. But what he does is he tests your home for all the environmental toxins so that you'll have a healthy, happy environment that you can just thrive in. So it works perfectly with this podcast. Are you ready? I am. One thing I'm going to do right after this podcast, I'm going to go check inside the lid of our toilet because that's something that Ryan (laughs) talked about that I had no idea. And I think you're going to want to stay tuned to find out why. Everyone, thank you so much for joining me today. And we have a wonderful guest. It's Ryan Blazer. Perhaps you've seen him on Instagram. If you haven't yet, you'll want to go visit him after this podcast. So Ryan is the founder and leader of Test My Home, and that's a company that helps you locate the toxins in your environment and then get rid of them, reduce them. So for years, we've had a list of consultants and experts on techwellness.com that we recommend people contact all over the country. And Ryan, of course, is on my list because at Tech Wellness, we really believe, Ryan, in what you're doing, in what the Building Biology Institute is doing. And actually, we sponsor them nationally because we know that your home is your sanctuary, right? And having a qualified expert come out to your home and tell you all the ways that you can make your home healthier is so important these days. And it could be a new home you're buying. It could be a remodel. It could be if you're just not feeling awesome in your home. My home was built to be EMF-free and to be a healthy home. 15 years ago. And we had someone from, uh, he's no longer with us. His name was Stephen Scott and he was called Environmental Solutions. And so he built an EMF-free home for us and it was just so fabulous to live there. I am not there right now. I'm leasing a home and we're going to talk about some of the problems that we have here today. Ryan, maybe you can help me out. But Ryan Blazer 
is a B-S-C-E-E-E-M-R-S-B-B-E-C and H-A-A-C. Look at all those initials. Ryan, welcome. What do they mean? Uh, it means I spend a lot of money in school is what it means. <laughs> <laughs> Good friends. Yes. No, thanks for having me on. And thanks for all the work that you do. You do a ton of work out there. And it's such tireless work sometimes. It can't be rewarded in some instances. But thank you for everything. Well, I'm just so happy that you're here. And honestly, okay, so we connected because we both have the same zest for the truth and when it comes to EMF protection. And we'll, we'll go there. Maybe we should just get there right off the top because then we're going to talk about all the wonderful ways to make your home healthy. And we're going to talk uh, about Ryan's secrets, about how he can help you even online. But let's start with EMF protection because that's really how we bonded. I saw you on Instagram and I was like, wow, that's so great. Someone else talking about EMF protection. And you just said that you had a post that was sort of dispelling some of the myths about EMF protection, like we talk about a lot. So good for you. But these chips, I just want people to know, this is nothing new. I have been EMF sensitive for 30 years. And about 20 years ago, I started a quest to try to figure out what would help me. So there were these chips that you could buy. These were ridiculous. And strangely enough, there are still things that call themselves neutralizers and wave shields. Anyway, tell us just what you know about EMF protection that doesn't work and EMF protection that works out of the box. Let's go for it. Being an engineer by trade and being a scientific mind, I always want to see the data. I want to see the proof. I want to see the meters. And when it comes to a lot of these devices that they're claiming to block or reduce EMF, it's pretty easy to quantify some of this stuff when you pull the meters out and you measure and you can see that it's not doing anything. But common sense would also tell us that if it's actually reducing EMF, the electric field, if, if I were to bring one of these devices into the room with my lights on, wouldn't my lights start to flicker? Wouldn't it reduce the electrical energy? And if, if, if it reduces magnetic energy, then wouldn't my motors not work? Wouldn't the power lines not transmit energy anymore? And if it was actually reducing radio frequency, then wouldn't my devices not work anymore? And so these simple common sense things, people aren't necessarily applying in this situation. I generally tell people a meter will reveal the truth. You know, distance is your friend and a meter is your best friend. But I really like what you're saying. If it worked, it would affect the technology in other ways. It, it just wouldn't make it safe. It would do other things that we could actually see or feel or understand as we tried to connect. That's what you're saying. Right. Yeah. You put that sticker on the side of your microwave and see if it still cooks a hot dog. If you turn it on and it doesn't cook the hot dog, then hey, maybe it's working. But what the energy is doing to the hot dog, the same thing the energy is doing to us. So if it's not going to stop it from that, it's not going to stop it from us. That's very good point. And you know what? I have done a couple of videos and this is honestly because at the beginning I did buy phone cases and in my hand, I just knew things were getting worse with a phone case. And then I figured out that it was because it was partially shield, meaning that, as you said, it has to do something to the signal if it was to work, and it does, it definitely blocks the signal. However, because there's an opening, the signal magnifies often to a point that's even higher without the case on. And so I've just come to call that partial shielding. Yeah. So the cell phone is going to vary its power depending on how far away you are from the cell tower. And it does that to save battery life. And so if you're way out in the boonies and you only have one bar, that cell phone is going to be at max power trying to send its signal. Versus if I'm only a mile away, 
the cell phone maybe is only at 20% power. Well, now let's go ahead and put that in a case, in a shield, that's going to attenuate the signal. Now the cell phone thinks that it's out in the boonies again with one bar. What's it going to do? It's going to boost up its power to compensate for that signal loss. Now, all the other areas around the phone that are not being shielded are going to be exponentially higher. And so unfortunately, we're going to expose ourselves more by using a shield. That's been my experience. But it's different with the EMF protection that you recommend in the house, right? Like a, a full panel of curtains made of that same material. How is that different? How that's different because we're actually reflecting and blocking the energies that's coming from the outside in. Now, the same principle would apply if we were trying to use our cell phone in a shielded room. It's going to attenuate the signal and it's going to boost the power up and it's going to bounce around and cause us issues. So when we create a room that's shielded or we have a canopy, we got to be really careful not to bring electronics into those rooms or else we're going to have the same type of effect. And that's what's so great about you actually coming to someone's home because you can demonstrate that for them. And that's why I think both of us try to do videos to show people the befores and afters and to show people how this really works. And the interesting thing that you know as an engineer and as a building biologist and as an electromagnetic radiation specialist, that's one of those initials by your name. One that I didn't know, which was HAV. That's a, a home acoustic alliance calibrator. So dealing with acoustical energy as well. And and does that apply when you're going out to someone's home and trying to to just make a healthier home? It does. Yeah. Low level vibrations, subharmonic frequencies, uh, just background noise in general can be a stressor on the body. Interesting. While we're still on the subject of EMF, what's your top recommendation? Top recommendation for EMF reduction is to just limit your exposure time to the device. Turn them off when you're not using it. I call it practical avoidance. If you don't need to be exposed to something like at night, for example, it's a great time to turn off your technology, turn off your Wi-Fi, put your phone on airplane mode. You don't need it. You're sleeping. It's a third of your life. You're going to reduce exposure. So turn these devices off when you're not using. That's probably the number one easiest thing you can do right off the bat. Thank you. And also, I have to say that our Wi-Fi switches, which are just a simple remote to turn off your Wi-Fi, so you don't have to get near the the nasty RF EMF signals that are just spewing from it because at the antenna, it is so, so high. So anyway, our Wi-Fi switches are our most popular item and we've sold over 7,000 of them so far. And it makes me so happy to know that, I mean, 7,000, that's a very small percentage of the population, right? But 7,000 people are sleeping better. 7,000 families are healthier at night getting that restorative sleep that you need, that's going to make your next day great, that's going to make your immune system better and just to help you feel better overall. So I'm really thrilled that that's your opinion of the best thing to do to, for EMF mitigation. And then the last thing I'm going to ask you, you say the word attenuation, and we hear that a lot. And I just would like you to define it for everyone, very simply. So think about waves coming in on the ocean and you got waves rolling and they're big and they're small and they're lapping up onto the beach. Attenuation means that we have smaller waves. So instead of a six-foot wave, now we attenuate it down to a two-foot wave. So it's basically claiming what a lot of these devices claim to do that when, when they're really not. The attenuation is actual reduction of the EMF energy that we're receiving on the body. Yes, I do see that. I do see that a chip or a harmonizer will say that they're attenuating. And so it can possibly happen, but not with these things. Correct. So, you know, we talk a lot about EMF here, uh, but there are so many different elements that get in the way of a truly safe and holistic and healthy home. 
So there's air quality and there's mold, right? And there's water. And so what are the other things that you would address when you do a healthy home assessment? You named the three major ones right there, air, water, mold, and chemical usage is also another one. The products that we're putting on our body that we're cleaning our homes with, the fragrances in our house, the off-gassing of the home, also the lighting in the home. That's actually an EMF as well. People usually don't think about lighting, but it does play a big role on our circadian rhythm. So if people are having sleep issues and they're getting too much blue light at night before bed, that can suppress melatonin. So it's really important to pay attention to the lighting and the flicker rate and the color of the lighting and the intensity. Let's talk about that. So we did want to maybe go through five or 10 of the best things you can do or dispel some myths or even have some happy surprises. So let's start with that. So we know that LED is now a requirement nationwide. And we know that LED will have some flicker. Is that right? That is correct. What do we do? So there is some brands that are actually not, uh, they're, they're rated for film. So film rated lighting does not flicker. And there is actually bulbs out there. Probably know Brian Hoyer from Shielded Healing. He puts out the lighting guide every quarter where he updates and he tests all the bulbs he recommends. It's a really amazing tool. We use that. We send that to all of our clients. So lights that are on that, his lighting guide, we know are flicker free. They're in the right spectrum. They're more natural lighting. Okay. And so can we replace all of our bulbs? What if we have can lights? You can. Yeah. So you can replace, there's a a healthy replacement for all, all the lights in your house. Great. And so the flicker we know can cause things like seizures when it gets to a, you know, a very intense degree. What else does the flicker do? Just pick, makes people not feel well. I've had several clients where they've called me up and thought it was mold, thought it was EMF, but it was high flicker rate in their lighting. And and we find out pretty quick because I start turning on all the lights in their house to do the testing. Like, oh, can we turn those off? I don't like those lights. So, you know, I don't like having the lights on. I just like the sunlight. And it's actually not that they like dark. It's that the lights affect them because it's flickering and it does that to save energy. So it's on for 20% of the time and off for 80 and it it's actually vibrating pretty fast to where we can't perceive that, but our brain can sense that. I can feel that. Their brain was telling them the right, their subconscious yep. was right there going, hey, this isn't good. Yep. And then you mentioned something that's huge right now, mold. People think that it's EMF or mold. Okay. So we know that mold, it's probably, is that number one? Is it so out of control right now? Is that the biggest problem that you see in homes? Mold and EMF are the two biggest problems I run into. And then chemical usage is right behind that. And then lack of uh, fresh air is probably the fourth biggest thing. Those are the big ones. So unless we can see the mold that's growing on the wall, how do we know that we have a mold issue? Mold needs water to grow. So you want to think about the history of your home. Have you ever had any flooding? Have you ever had any leaking? Do you See any discoloration? Is the wood bubbling anywhere? Um, you got a five-year-old boy that likes to make a mess in the bathtub every night when he takes a bath and the water goes all over the floor. You know, these are the kind of things that we're looking for when we go into people's homes. And an easy check that you can do right now, if you're listening, is go check the toilet tank and lift underneath. And if you have mold growing in there, it could be an indication of a bigger problem because that's a, a damp, dark place where mold spores can land and it's like a natural petri dish in your house. So how would that indicate that other places in the house would be bad? I mean, of course you would expect it to be growing or not expect it, but you would, it would make more sense that if it's growing in the toilet, right? So if we have a mold source somewhere else in the house, that mold is putting off mycotoxins and mold spores into the air. Now, when you flush that toilet, it sucks air into the tank as the water is, is leaving to flush the toilet. As it's pulling air in, if there's mold spores that are in the air from somewhere else in your house, it's going to go inside the tank and land 
and you have a much higher probability of mold growing there now because we've just displaced some of that air. That's an excellent hack. Thank you. Because I often wonder that, you know, we're, we're in the process of looking for a new home and, and I wonder how would we ever know? So that's a great, great trick. And then secondarily, some people say, well, there's mold in the shower. Now, is there a difference between the mold in the shower and the black mold that's so dangerous to our health or is it the same thing? Uh, not necessarily. It totally depends on what mold spores you have floating around. So mold needs water and a food source to grow inside of a shower. Of course, there's water. And then we got the dead skin cells and the dust and the dirt that we're washing off of our body. That can collect if we're not regularly cleaning our, our shower, right? And that usually gets stuck in the cracks and in the crevices. And that's where we typically see the growth. But yeah, that can be any kind of mold. We've We've measured and tested it's all different kinds. It just depends on what landed there and started growing. Really? So the same black mold could be in the shower that's behind the wall that we know is uber dangerous. Yep. Mildew, I think, is just a term that was made up by Lysol. It doesn't really actually mean anything in the scientific world. Really? Tell me yeah. more about that. What do you mean mildew doesn't mean anything? Yeah. When we test for mold, it's either a, this, a type of species or it's not. There's Mildew is just kind of like a slang term. It's like a marketing thing that Lysol put out that kills mildew. It's just it's saying the same thing as it kills mold. It's Mildew isn't really a scientific term. So mildew is serious. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that's what that, in my head, it used to be like, oh, it's just mildew. It's not mold. But seriously, mildew is mold. Wow. Thank you. That's amazing. And so now we talk about getting rid of it. So I'm not using Lysol. I'm sorry, no chemicals in the house. But what do you advise people use either chemically or not to get rid of mold? The best way to get rid of mold is to prevent mold. Of course, keeping the house really dry and really clean. We use a, a mixture of distilled water and distilled vinegar with a little lemon essential oil. And that's our primary uh, surface cleaner in our house. And so as long as you're staying on top of your surfaces and cleaning things and not allowing the dirt to build up and also clean enough water if we get any kind of spills or leaks, take a shower, make sure the doors are open uh, to the shower and the ventilation is on. So that's pulling out all that humidity, crack a window maybe in there. If you see condensation on your window, just making sure you're keeping your home dry. That's really the big thing. Now, if you do happen to get mold and does start to grow and it's uh, more than just wiping it off or, you know, with soap and water, if it's a leak or it's something behind the wall, that's when you need to call in a professional. Okay. Like you or a builder or? Uh, you want to call a mold inspector. You don't want to call a remediator. Remediator are the people that do the work. The inspector is the one that finds the mold and, and comes up with the protocol on the correct way to fix it. So we're in this house and they did not seal the bathtub, believe it or not. They did not grout the remainder of the bathtub, just the front of it, not the back. Like no one will see. And one day just behind me, my daughter was like, oh my gosh, there's water. And sure enough, the bathtub was leaking down into the eaves, I guess, the space between the two rooms. Now, what would you tell me to do? That happened once. What should I do now? In that situation, when we have water inside the cavity and it's that saturated, for one, the drywall has to be removed. All the, the cavity needs to be opened up to the air and we need to air that out. Now, we want to do that under containment. So we want to set up a containment area below, with put plastic up. We want to put some fans in there and some filters and we want to open up that drywall and hopefully if you do it in time, if you catch it in time, there won't be mold. But what it sounds like in your situation, the crack, it's probably been going on for quite some time. In that situation, you want to bet that there's mold there. And so you want to take the precautions for mold, which means you're going to wear a suit, you're going to wear a respirator, a mask, some gloves, you're going to set up the containment. Because right now, that's like a, a hornet's nest back there. The mold is back there. It's growing. Now, if we disturb that, 
and we release all those spores and the mycotoxins, last thing we want to do is contaminate the rest of your house. A hundred percent. My property manager is going to be super excited to hear this. So this is still going on. So this is a real thing at your house. We have the, oh, yeah. this no, issue. No, no, no. Okay. This just happened a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And yeah, and that's the first thing that I thought. I need somebody over here to get rid of this. But um, our daughter, who had a very bad mold situation at a home that she was renting, an apartment, where it was coming from under the ground. Have you ever heard this? Mm-hmm. Crazy. So she obviously can't be around any mold. So um, she'll be leaving next week. And when she does, then I'm having someone come in. Perfect. And you know, for now, I would run the ventilation fan in there, pulling air out. I would maybe run some air filters and I'd maybe crack the window because all it takes is about 48 hours for mold to start growing. So if this happened two weeks ago, we already probably have mold growing, producing mycotoxins and mold spores. We don't want to breathe that in. So we want to exhaust that out. We want to filter it out. We want to get rid of those as much as we can until you have the opportunity to fix it. Okay. So for everyone who wants to make sure that it doesn't happen at their home, how do you know if something's leaking internally? So you can buy a a moisture meter on Amazon for 20, 30 bucks, and you can go and just check underneath all of the places where you have the shower and the sinks and the bathtubs and check around behind the toilets and check on around the roof. It might take a, an afternoon, but be really thorough and just go through your house with the moisture meter and make sure that we don't have any hidden moisture behind the wall because that's where the mold's going to be. Gosh, that's so easy and so important because believe me, once you've had mold toxicity, you will do anything to prevent it from happening to anyone you love, anyone you know, right? Yeah. And it's very, very expensive and it uproots your life. My clients that actually have mold problems, they end up having to move out of their home. Sometimes they got to get rid of belongings. It could be a half a year that totally disrupts their lifestyle. So super, super important to take a time quarterly to go through your house, check underneath the sinks, check behind the toilets, pull the dishwasher out, look behind there, uh, look behind the washing machine, get in the attic, get in the crawl space, just do a really, really good visual. That goes a long ways. Great. You said something about ventilation. And that made me think about a story. My niece is remodeling her home and she's putting in an electric stove. And I said, oh my gosh, don't do that. I mean, gas is this and this and this. And she said, oh no, it's dangerous. And I said, well, I'm talking to Ryan. He'll tell us all about it. Yeah. When, anytime we're burning fossil fuels, uh, we want to make sure it's exhausted out. Now, as long as the exhausts are working properly, it's very safe. We have a gas range in our house. That's what we cook with. But when we use it, I make sure that the exhaust is on. And not only that, as I go over to the door, the sliding door, and I give it a little crack so that we have airflow that comes in. So we have a a newer house. And so it's super airtight. So air in has to equal air out. And so if we're trying to pull all this air out from a super enclosed box, it's creating this vacuum. It's not going to work very good. So when I crack my window, I can actually feel, I can feel the rush of air coming in. And I know that my house is, is under negative pressure. It's trying to pull air. It doesn't have anywhere to pull it from. So it's really important to make sure we manage the airflow in our house. And I would say, now, this isn't a serious problem in people's homes, but it is the number one problem that I come across in people's houses. They don't get enough ventilation. Now, if you're in a public or a commercial building, by law, you're supposed to have so many CFMs per hour per person of air exchange coming from the outside. But in a residential home, it's not required by law. So it's up to the, the builder or up to the individual owner to install these systems. Now, a lot of homes just don't have these systems. So the only time they're getting fresh air is when they're opening the doors to go out to their car or if they happen to crack the windows, which a lot of people don't do if you're living in a cold or a hot climate. Okay. That's a big one. How much are those systems to refit a home that's already built? 
So you can install an, an HRV, which is a heat recovery ventilator, or an ERV, and those typically run three to $6,000, depending on the size of the home. I would say that's probably the best investment you can do to your house for air quality. And not, not one of our air filters? So air filters is really good for filtering the air that's already inside the house, that's pulling mm-hmm. particles out. But what I'm talking about is the fresh air. So we're breathing out CO2. So you can imagine if there was a room full of people in that room and it was all enclosed, how long would it take for the CO2 levels to get to the point where everyone's feeling drowsy and brain fog and you're just not getting enough oxygen anymore? That's when you got to crack open the window and let that fresh air in. But you could smell homes that are stale that don't have a lot of fresh air. You walk in and just the air feels heavy or musty. That's a sign that they don't have a fresh air uh, intake system. You know, I love fresh air. Mm-hmm. I came from a place where every window was open. And now I'm in a home that has in the entire house, two windows that open. Is that crazy? That is crazy. Yes. Crazy with no screens, which we just had someone come out and fit it, fit it for screens. So if we're opening the doors and there's bugs outside, what do we do? Well, I mean, you got to have a screen on it. And that's where this HRV system comes into place because it filters the air coming in because not only bugs, but what about pollen? What about dust? What about particulates? So we want to filter that air. We want to bring it in, filter it and pipe it through the house. Then we want to exhaust out the stale air. Really cool ventilation system that is really important for people to have. I want one. Do you link to one on your on your site? I don't. I was actually just talking to a guy um, today, actually right before this, about working with the contractor, try to get a good one. But Zender is a good one or Life Breath is a good one. You can just Google heat recovery ventilators or ventilation systems. Okay, we will. So I did want to talk also about water. I love my water filter, but there are so many out there. And and I've seen people online even offering water filter classes. So tell us what you know. You know, it's unfortunate that uh, most of the water that comes out of our tap these days in America is actually not healthy. You know, the thing with the Ohio train derailment that Mm -hmm. spilled all that chemicals, that's nothing new. That's been going on for a long time, unfortunately. And so the majority of our water needs to be filtered. And, you know, people think about what we're drinking, but they don't think about what we're showering and bathing in. And our skin is pretty absorbent. You know, you're taking a nice long bath or a shower, steamy, you're absorbing a lot of that stuff into your skin and breathing it in. So super important to have a whole home filtration system with some sort of pre-filter, some sort of carbon media, um, some KDM media. And then once it leaves there, it's going to filter maybe 95% of the stuff. Once it goes to the, the kitchen, you want to have a reverse osmosis system, which you're drinking from, you're cooking from, that's hooked to the ice maker. If you have a, a setup like that, you're going to be doing pretty good. Now, there's a lot of different companies that do that. I don't recommend the tabletop systems. It's kind of a, a small Band-Aid, you know, the plastic pictures you fill up with water and it filters. You need to have a pretty serious system. It's That's really important. We're getting a lot of toxins and chemicals from the water these days. No matter how old you are, even if it's your first apartment, right? Yep, absolutely. And it's even best, you want to start young. You know, that's when things start accumulating in your body. And, you know, when you're young, you can take a lot, but you start filling up that toxic bucket, that toxic load. Eventually one day it's going to overflow and now you're going to have to backtrack. And it's a lot easier to prevent than it is to try to detox all this stuff. A hundred percent. Maybe you and I can put together in the notes of this podcast, five 
great water filters. Like I love mine. It's called pH prescriptions. And the reason I love it is because it remineralizes the water mm. after the reverse osmosis and it tastes so good. Yeah. And so, and especially with that, you know, that's the conversation about that. So if you're drinking water by itself, it's important to have those minerals in there because it can leach from the, the body. But if you're drinking the water with a meal or with food or you're mixing stuff in it, then it's probably okay. But uh, drinking water by itself, you don't want to drink the super, super pure stuff because it can leach stuff. Interesting. Okay. So now tell me what you find out mostly when you visit homes. What are people surprised to hear that we haven't talked about so far? Something that they can fix? Taking off their shoes. That's a big one that is bringing in a lot of nasty stuff into people's homes. Hopefully you take off shoes at your house. That's really one of the biggest things you can do. Um, Opening your air, your windows, letting fresh air in, getting rid of all of the toxic chemicals, no fragrances, no smelly things. Of course, the technology, you know, hardwiring your house, reducing the technology, letting in as much natural light as possible. I mean, these are all some of the things that I run into a lot that and a lot of these things are are free to do. You know, take it off your shoes and open your windows. That doesn't cost any money at all. It's just a little habit changing. And the hardwiring is so simple now. It is. I have this hardware kit that you can just attach to your Wi-Fi. And that's very, very basic, right? I mean, I recommend that you don't have a Wi-Fi at all, but if you have to and you have one, at least you can get some distance from it by attaching the cables right to the back of the Wi-Fi. And are you hardwired at your home? Oh, yeah. You would be proud of me if you came and saw my house. We have everything. (laughs) You would love it. No Wi-Fi here. Tell me about your appliances, okay? Because I'm having a few struggles with my appliances in this rental home. I have the gas appliances. Uh, my fridges are there. None of them are smart. I don't have anything that connects the Wi-Fi in my house. It's all just regular basic appliances. And sometimes you got to dumb things down a little bit and not get super fancy and just get stuff that's nice, but basic. I need your help here though, because I have a smart refrigerator that was very expensive. It's built in to the cabinetry the landlord is not going to let me take it that way. And so I went online, of course, and found where the Wi-Fi was. And then it's got a Bluetooth at the bottom. So the Wi-Fi is at the top, the Bluetooth is at the bottom. So it's got a cabinet right above it. If I just put some shielding on the top, what's your recommendation? It depends on what's around the area. Now, you know, the shielding is going to act like a mirror. It's going to reflect. So it's going to hit that and it's going to bounce somewhere. So we need to contain that as as much as we can. Potentially, and what I've done before with clients is we find where the antenna is and we can unplug the antenna from the the circuit board. Uh, Sometimes the antennas will be on the outside. It's not. I had had a repair person over, begged him to do it for me. Yeah. Absolutely would not. Said that, that the second that he disconnected it, it would void the warranty. And since this, I don't own this refrigerator, it belongs to someone else, I'm stuck. And I think I'm like a lot of people now that, that are stuck in these situations that Either it's a neighbor with the smart meter or it's a rental and, and the appliances happen to have it. Oh, you know what he told me? Just a quick side note. He said that I was really lucky because the brand new oven just came out and it has a camera and a microphone and a Wi-Fi in it. Oh my gosh. That's so ridiculous. Huh? This, the technology is just getting out of control. I know. And I said, wait, why the camera? And he said, oh, so that it can see inside how it's baking and it can see people who are walking by and you can, you know, notify someone to open the oven door and put it on a different rack. I said, okay, that's really ridiculous. That's much. That's a little much. Yeah. All the responsibility is taken away from baking. Yeah. You know, what's another one that's a big one I see a lot is baby monitors. And I always send people to your uh, site, the the blog that you wrote about that with the hardware. But 
there's got to be a better solution somewhere because it's kind of hard to do the hardwire monitor for babies. But I see that so much and like, well, I got to know when my baby's awake and this. I'm like, well, can you unplug it? When I mean, I walk in and I see it on the crib, right on the baby, like two feet from the baby's head. I'm like, oh, I'd rather walk in and see a, a crack pipe laying on the ground than see, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Oh, geez. Okay. Wow. Yeah, but it is. It's it, it. I cringe. I absolutely cringe when I see the picture of the baby monitor that has that's right over the crib, and I think, oh my gosh. Of course, the baby looks delicious. Of course, you want to see that beautiful shot of your baby from right above. But the amount of radiation that poor defenseless baby is receiving on a continuous basis is. I agree. It's criminal. It really is. And I have reached out to three of the top manufacturers hoping to do some sort of partnership where we can just hardwire a portion of their offering. I don't think people make these with wireless thinking it's going to be a bad thing. Mm. And I think that they're just really believing this is a great idea, you know, control from everywhere. But I think the more people hear conversations like this, the more apt we are to see change. So I'm so glad you're talking about it and all these things. Yeah. We need a better solution for a lot of this stuff. How can we create a home that won't mold? Like we talked about the situations where it can happen, but is there anything in a new build that can prevent the mold? So building a high performance home and having a contractor that knows what they're doing really goes a long way because one of the biggest things is water. If we can keep the home dry, then we're going to prevent mold because mold has to have water. So if we can keep the water away, that's 99% of the struggle right there. So just building it correctly, being mindful of where the bulk water is going, where's the drainage of the house. When it rains, is the water getting away from the home? If there's any potential leaking that could happen, do we have sensors in place that can, of course, not wireless sensors, but sensors that go off, you know, they have those little pucks you can, and I have them underneath my sink. So if any leaks start to happen, it's going to hit the water sensor and start making a racket, a bunch of noise so I can go over and see what's going on. But monitoring uh, preventing water. That's really the only way to prevent the mold other than, you know, they have chemicals and things we can do, but I don't like trading one problem for another. I don't like spraying chemicals and moldicide, fungicide on the on the house. Let's just try to keep it dry and do what we can to make it dry. That's good. Now, I always like to end with the three top things people can do. And I know we already talked about one of them, distance from the EMF and turn your Wi-Fi off at night. So two others. You know, and we talked about the hard wiring and I mean, really, just you, you got to learn how to live this. It's a mindset change. And I tell people, you really got to not look at how can we make everything super easy and convenient and realize that this technology comes at a cost and it, the cost is our health. And so if we're using some of this technology, we better be dang well sure that we're getting a big benefit from it. And so I think the shift in the mind and really knowing and realizing how harmful this stuff is to us and using it wisely chemicals too, right? Yep. It goes with all this stuff. Yeah. Lysol might be easier, but it's not happier and safer right. for sure. Yep. And taking off your shoes, like you said, that's actually, oh my gosh, that benefits you in so many ways though, right? It and does. not getting that dirt in the house. And then one more healthy home environmental hack, because you've given us a few, but I'd like one more. There's a website, EWG, Environmental Working Group, that's super easy to use. You can scan the barcode of your products. And I would recommend just downloading that app and going through your house and, and scanning all your cosmetics and your cleaning supplies and your personal care products. And it's going to rate it on a scale uh, from being healthy to the stuff's going to give you cancer, kill you. So make sure that you're 
only bringing things into your home that are healthy for you and that are non-toxic. That's an excellent tip. And I want to tell everyone, definitely follow Ryan on Instagram. Visit his website because you're constantly bringing us new ideas and you're just upfront and honest and you're seeking the truth with all of this science. And tell people how else they can find you. Yeah, Google Test My Home, our website, testmyhome.com. Instagram is Test My Home. Pretty easy. Okay. Thanks so much, Ryan. I appreciate you. Be well. You too. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. I hope you loved it. If you do like what you've heard, leave us a review and subscribe to the show. For more tools and information to help you achieve mindful living in a digital world, and navigate those tech toxins, follow Tech Wellness on all the usual social media channels and head over to techwellness.com for resources, videos, solutions, and so much more. I'm August Bryce. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, be well.